Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Hi, welcome to another episode of Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman. I'm founder of the doctorscore.com physician rating website. Last week, we spoke to Dr. Nathaniel Rickles of Northeastern University about how culture and beliefs affect medical care. Today, we're going to focus on the role of pharmacists in our healthcare system, and specifically some of the work Dr. Rickles has done. We're going to find that pharmacists can do a lot more than just hand us a bottle of pills. Dr. Rickles, I understand that a, a lot of your recent work has focused on patients' interactions with pharmacists. How big a role of, can pharmacists play in all this? Well, so we're trying to teach the pharmacists or, and, and certainly the students that we have here at the university the importance of, you know, engaging the patient in a conversation. Now, whether that's happening in practice or not is another matter, and, and I think most of the, the audience probably would say, well, you know, I don't have a lot of conversation with my pharmacist. I'm not even so sure my pharmacist knows me, which is sad because many of the folks in the, you know, on the, um, that receive this message will hear or remember, rather, that there was the mom-and-pop pharmacy. There was the corner store drugs, uh, druggist who said, you know, I know this patient for all these generations. I, knew, you know, I, I know all their concerns. There was that relationship. Unfortunately, I don't think that that relationship exists as much now. But that relationship came with trust, and there, that was really fundamental in, in various neighborhoods. And uh, I'm trying to make a, a case that that the relationship needs to come back, and it's that it's the relationship that's the in, key ingredient to whether a patient will be engaged in their in their therapy. Whether it's the provider-patient relationship, the pharmacist-patient relationship, nurse, whatever, it's, it's relationship is key. And and this is the area that you're studying now. Yeah. So I recently um, uh, completed a study. Uh, an internet-based study. Uh, I it was actually 419 consumers, but I the particular group that I looked at were those who went to community pharmacies, and that actually drilled down to about 261 uh, patients. Or, or and these were folks who had chronic illnesses, and I, I asked them questions about the pharmacist-patient relationship. And interestingly enough, I found that the pharmacist-patient relationship was the single greatest predictor of whether a patient uh, indicated that they would take a medication as prescribed. Uh, what were the other things that you looked at? Well, we um, 
I mean, in terms of the, the other things we looked at in terms of other factors were uh, we looked at how long they knew the pharmacist, what type of pharmacy they went to, um, and, you know, different age, gender, um, and uh, how, you know, uh, how often they go to the pharmacy. And actually, after controlling for all of those factors, it really still was the relationship that was most significant. Um, I, I also looked at um, the other part of that study, which didn't necessarily connect with the relationship, but had something to do with it, was that um, I wanted to know if you compared how did a patient respond when different things happened in regards to their treatment. So if, let me give you an example. If, let's say, the pharmacist and, the pa- and doctor did not agree on the approach, which way did the patient go? Let's say the pharmacist was well-informed, and that, did that impact their decision-making? And actually what we found was most often if the doctor, they went with the doctor's decision, regardless of the pharmacist's viewpoint, um, and that this, this was a uh, key variable in their decision-making. The only time that they might have been more open to a pharmacist's viewpoint was when the pharmacist's viewpoint agreed with their sense of their illness, and it agreed with the, pharma, the doctor's viewpoint. Relationships are so important. I mean, I'm a test tube scientist by training. I don't think about, I didn't used to think about relationships. I thought about enzymes and drugs <laughs> and, you know, and people make the right diagnosis and give the right treatment. Patients do great. Um, it bothers me to hear that the relationship with the pharmacist is the number one predictor of medicine use. If you also asked about the relationship with the doctor, because I would think the relationship with the doctor, from my personal bias, should have been the number one predictor of, of how satisfied patients were with their care, of how well they would use the medicine, things like that. Was that included in the study? No, no, this was really, and it's a good point. You know, one would, one would want to look at the doctor-patient relationship I think that the difficulty is is that there's um, it will be yeah I mean it's possible that we could explore both of them in a in in the analysis and maybe that would be a, an interesting future study it, the study that I was involved in was very focused on the pharmacist patient relationship but you're right I mean certainly relationship with other team members could be driving um, the the adherence so it's absolutely very possible. And then the scientific cynic in me says, you know, Steve, you used to think that what the doctor did to engender trust was important, but now that you hear that if the pharmacist is trusted, it, it helps too, it makes you wonder if maybe there's a group of trusting patients who are better about taking their medicines and non-trusting people who you know, are just difficult and, and, and don't take their medicine. And it matters little what the doctor or pharmacist does to those people, that the, the, the character of trust is within the person and not something that the healthcare provider can change. That's a really interesting question, actually. And I don't know, I'd have to review the literature, but I, I don't know if anybody has looked at whether the trust of a person, if you will, a personality trait, if that is what is more predictive of their willingness to continue to take the medication as prescribed. And that actually may be um, 
that may be a, a very interesting question to explore. Yeah, we just do it by comparing people in Boston and New York and, you know, up where you guys are, down here and, uh, you know, along, along with the more trusting people of the southern United States. And, <laughs> you know, might find the geographical differences. Yeah, but, there, <clears throat> there may be. I, um, I wanted to explore another um, relationship issue with you, and that is that between the pharmacist and the physician. I imagine in the mom-and-pop era that, there was also a, 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 a physician who made house calls who had a close relationship with the pharmacist as opposed to today when they probably have nearly no contact whatsoever. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I think you, I'm glad you brought up this point because I was recently at a meeting in, um, in northern uh, New England, and um, I, uh, I found from that uh, group of pharmacists I asked them, I said, how many of you would feel comfortable calling your doctor uh, about potential patient non-adherence? And a number of hands went up. And, you know, I, what they told me was they have a relationship with their, their physician, and therefore they have no problem telling the, the physician about the patient's non-adherence. Whereas I asked a Boston-based audience where, you know, there is... Um, a hundred pharmacists, only two hands went up with pharmacists saying that they were comfortable calling the doctor regarding any suspected non-adherence. What so about the relationship between a pharmacist and patient is really key. Yeah, I wonder how the pharmacist felt if you, if you assessed um, con their, their concerns about a major drug interaction or something that they thought boy, something dangerous was happening if they feel totally comfortable picking up the phone and calling the doctor about it. Well, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, if it's really dangerous and, and, and there's an issue of liability, you probably would get more pharmacists saying that they would call the physician. Um, but there is also the, among a lot of pharmacists the sense of blind obedience to the physician's uh, decision and not realizing that part of their role is to help the physician identify things that got through the through the holes. Yeah, you know, I I've, I have heard some colleagues complain about pharmacists questioning their judgment, and I'll tell you something: if there are any pharmacists listening, as a physician, I want you to call me. If you have a concern, please, you know, give me a ring. I won't mind at all. Well, that's a good message from my pharmacy colleagues to hear because. Uh, I think there's sometimes there's there's nervousness and there's shyness, there's ambivalence, and um, but really, uh, we, we all should be empowered to kind of work together and help each other. And the, the sort of the earlier part of the conversation is is I really want to empower the, the the all the patients that are listening that that they also should be a part of this same effort to work with the team because we value. Their input. Their input is extremely critical to optimizing treatment and getting them better and, and staying healthier longer. Well said. Well, um, I have been involved with research where we have used computer chips to assess when patients were using their medicines or not. What kind of data might pharmacists have that might clue them into non-adherence? Well, the, <laughs> the best source of data we have, which is not ideal, and I'll explain why, but the best source of data we have is really refill records. So, you know, the pharmacy maintains a profile of the patient, and we 
obviously we check to see, um, you know, how regularly a patient is picking up the medication. I say we check. I don't know if my colleagues are routinely doing this, but a lot of computer systems now flag potential non-adherers, and they'll, they'll come up and say, here are five people who are late in picking up their medication. So fortunately, health IT has helped us quite a bit in, in identifying the, um, the non-adherers. And, you know, a lot of the chains now have outreach programs where they call the patient and, and remind them, oh, by the way, you know, I noticed that you were late in picking this up. Would you be interested in us, you know, um, filling it and getting it ready for you? Now, um, why I say they're not the best data in the world is because patients, because the relationship is not as much there anymore, patients are very comfortable with going to different pharmacies, whatever's convenient, if it's near work, if it's near home, if it's somewhere in between um, traveling, that they're, so it's hard to track their medication use, uh, so they, there may be gaps in the medication refill record at one pharmacy, but meanwhile they were completely adherent, but they were taking it somewhere else. They were filling it somewhere else. So you can get a good sense if somebody is staying on schedule, but it's hard to know if someone isn't staying on schedule. Yeah, I guess so. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Any final words for our listeners about how you facilitate behavioral changes, how you we think the, the practical things that physicians or pharmacists or patients should be doing to encourage um, better treatment outcomes? Well, I think the most important thing in facilitating behavioral change from the provider's perspective is really, and when I say that, pharmacists, patient, nurses, all types of providers, is really empathy, really trying to understand your patient and from where they're coming from. That is critical because once you, tr- you stop and you listen and you're not constantly talking, that you learn about what, this, what is important to this person. Where do they sit? What, what do they need? From the patient's perspective, what is critical is that they share their concerns and they feel free to share their concerns, that they be their own advocate for their treatment and not necessarily say, oh, well, whatever the doctor says or let it be, it's okay. No, if you have something that worries you or something that's concerning you, as you, I'm sure, would agree, physicians, providers, patients, uh, pharmacists, so forth, really do want to hear them because if they can deal with them, they, then they know that they can make you more satisfied and happier and healthier. That is excellent advice to end on. Dr. Rickles, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Healthcare is such an all-encompassing part of my life that I, I love when we end these shows with, with advice that's important not just for our healthcare system but for our day-to-day lives. When it comes to interacting with other people, whoever they are, at home, at work, across the globe, it's great to stop and listen, to have empathy, to make sure people realize that you care about them and their concerns, and that you make your concerns known to them in an upbeat, positive way. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you with that today. I think it's worth thinking about. It's worth, it's worth practicing in, in medicine and in life. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate having you as a listener. 
I hope you'll join us again next week. Our show, as usual, has been brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Our theme music, as always, is brought to you by a terrific musician. I love what he's done for us. It's Michael Zioli and his wonderful theme music. Until next time, I wish you the very, very best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare. 